good. At least seven or eight of you, good. I'm going to dare say everybody has. Uh, when we live this life here in this world, you're going to have things that you face, things that challenge you, things that come up against you. And if you've made it this far without it, well, then you better get a white-knuckle grip on the handlebars because it's coming for you. That's just the nature of living in this world. And one of the beautiful blessings about being a child of God is living with victory in our hearts and being able to face those giants with faith, being able to face those giants with confidence, and being able to come through that battle on the other side with victory. And so we're going to go through the Bible study, Facing the Giants. They're the same people who made the movie uh, War Room. They actually, this is the first movie that they made, Facing the Giants. And, and at first look, when you look at the uh, previews there, you think it's a football movie. It is not a football movie at all. It's a life movie. They happen to play some football in the movie, so some of you all who really like football, you'll enjoy it. But I promise you there are some valuable life lessons that we will talk about in this study, Facing the Giants. So it starts this Wednesday night. We push the play button at 5.30. That's earlier than we usually start. So I need everybody to show up, get your plate of food, be ready to watch the movie at 5.30. We're going to watch the movie in its entirety. It's under two hours, so that means we'll get out of here at the same time we usually get out of here on a Wednesday night. But we want to watch the whole movie in one night. Then the next week, everybody be planning to go to Mount Triumph Baptist Church where we're going to combine for worship with them on that Wednesday night and have a great night of community worship. Then we come back and we start right away on the Bible study, Facing the Giants. So please be here for that. I know that you'll be blessed. It is a, a, it's got powerful lessons in it just like the War Room uh, movie did. And I know that you'll be blessed for being a part of that. And if you are not a Wednesday night person, then change your mind right now and become one. Because it will bless you, I promise you. And, and it will bless us as well to have you as a part of that study. So let's uh, pray before we get to this morning's lesson. Lord, we just praise you this morning. And we thank you, Father, for being the kind of God that we know that as you are our God, we can face giants in our life, Father. We can face anything that comes towards us. It, it may still hurt. It may still be uncomfortable. It may still try and test us. It may challenge us. It may even beat us down, Father, to where we don't feel like we can get back up. But when we, when we open our eyes of faith and our hearts of understanding of who you are and the kind of God you are, we stand up again and we're victorious in you. And we know that no matter what happens in this life, when we get to the end of the line, that we have victory in you because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. And even the words on our stage, Father, this morning, because he lives, we know that he has risen from the grave. We know that he has overcome everything that he had to face, and he overcomes everything for us, Father. If we put our trust in him, that we are victorious, and we thank you for that. And we pray, Father, for our upcoming Bible study. We pray, even this morning, Father, as different people are in here and they face certain giants and problems and struggles, some with health issues and some emotional problem or relationship problems or financial problems or just whatever this world tries to dish out. Father, we pray that you teach us how to focus on what is good, on what is pure, on what is right, to focus on you and to be, to be direct and intentional about seeking the things that we need to do, being the people that we need to be, doing the things that you've called and created us to do, Father. Help us to hear your calling loud and clear in our ears and give us that courage and that, that desire to answer you and to say yes to you and to, to do what it is that you've set us on this earth to do. Don't let us get, uh, don't let us get bogged down in the, in the mud of life, Father, and the things that this life tries to hand out to us. But help us to be focused on you, to realize that each day is precious, and to invest our lives in the things that have eternal value. We pray for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
So we have lived in Oklahoma not quite nine years, but coming up on nine years. And if there's one thing I know that I would not want to come to Oklahoma to do to try to make a living is to be a, a producer and seller of turn signal lenses for cars. Because I would probably go hungry. I don't know what it is about this state. Somebody long ago instilled it in people as they learned how to drive that in the state of Oklahoma, you do not have to use your turn signal. Can I get an amen? amen. You know what I'm talking about. And for those three of you in here going, I use my turn signal, you're the only three in LaFleur County that do, okay? I cannot tell you how many times I'm driving and people, they just drive, you know, pull right in front of you and, and, and they just turn or they change lanes without a turn signal. That's one of the reasons I stopped driving my motorcycle so much. I got tired of people just cutting in front, you know, they, they, they love to do that. Did you know that every year, and this is just one of those cheesy insurance facts I know, that over two million accidents happen in the United States because of a failure to use the turn signal. And when you ask people why they don't use the turn signal, number one, they're just in too big of a hurry. Well, no, duh, you know. You pr probably should wait a little bit before you change lanes anyway. Or they may say, well, I was just too lazy or I just didn't think to do it. I really think that that muscle in Oklahoman's arms that allows you to reach up and, and shift that lever, it's just it's not developed here or something. People don't use their turn signal. And yet we all know that we need to, Right. I mean, that's part of driving a car. When you're going to turn, you use a turn signal. We know that we need to, and yet every one of us are probably guilty of not doing it, right? And one of the things that we find in life, sometimes we get away with it, but there's a lot of times where we don't, where when we don't do what we know we should be doing, we suffer the consequences, right? Now, last week we started looking at James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. And this is a very powerful passage. Let's read it again. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. One of the things that we looked at, we didn't look at it too in depth, but I don't think that I have to really pound this one into your brain, is the fact that life is short. I mean, he says that life is like the morning fog. If you look in the original text, it says life is like a vapor. If you ever watch the steam coming off of a boiling pot, you know that it doesn't last very long. You know, it's just short-lived. And so one of the lessons that we just tried to get from last week is that every day is precious. And yet in our life, we go about deciding what we're going to invest our life in, what we're going to invest our energy in, what we're going to give our focus to, what's going to be our priority. And we need to really choose rightly because we really don't get a lot of those days. And we want to make them count for something. And we want to make sure that the things that we do really have eternal value. You know, this is where I'd really want to talk to parents and say, listen, parents, you, know, you need to really think about this too because if we in our own lives only have but a vapor, think about the time that you get when you're raising your children before they leave home and go on their own. It's going to be gone before you know it. And so the things that we're teaching our children, the priorities that we instill within our children, I can't tell you how many parents have come to me and say, you know, I just can't understand why my kids don't go to church, you know? Well, then we go back and start looking at how you raised them, and, and did you make church a priority to them? Do, you, do, do they believe in God now because you were, you were teaching them and instilling them a belief and a faith in God when they were younger? 
You know, people all the time these days, they fill their lives with so much, and, and they don't realize that it impacts their young people in their family as well. You can make decisions for you as an adult, but right now, as you've got those kids growing up under you, it impacts them because they learn. You may not even say anything directly. So I would encourage parents, when you go away for the weekend for ball games and things like that, Sunday comes along, find a church and go to it. I know there's churches in other towns. I read it on the internet, so it has to be true, right? Go to church somewhere. Think about the lesson that that teaches your kids, whether you're at a stock show or a ball game or whatever it is, vacation. You go away, and yet you stop and you take time to worship God. You're teaching them that, hey, no matter what we're doing in life, it's important to worship God. And that's valuable. That sticks with them for the rest of their life. Even, even as they grow up, you know, that they see that you're making church a priority, that you're making God a priority. You instill that in them because there's going to be a day where they go off and make decisions on their own. And then they have to decide that life is precious, every day is precious, and how are they going to live it. And they will take what you gave them and put it into practice. Such an important thing for us to do. The things that we do. And picking the things that are important to do and the things that we really need to invest our energy in, the things that we need to do. One of the reasons for that, too, is because of verse 17 that James says, when he says, remember, isn't it amazing that he follows this up? He says, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And I think that's a powerful concept. I don't know about you, but that sets me back in my seat just a little bit when I have to think, not only should I pay attention to sins of commission, you know, the things that I do wrong, I really need to evaluate in my life when I do that self-evaluation about what my priorities are, what my life investment is, what I put my energy in, the things that I focus on. What do I fail to do that I really know that I need to be doing? Because that has consequences for me as well. Let me give you a good example of this. I believe a lot of people's fi uh, spiritual life looks a lot like my physical life. Now, I know that's not that pretty, so you're going to want to listen up and make sure that that's not the case for you. I am a very active person. You ask my wife, one of the reasons I preach is because I can't sit still for 30 minutes while some knucklehead gets up here and just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I might as well be the one who is up here going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm always doing something. If I sit down to watch a movie, it better be a good movie, or halfway through, I'm out of there, and I'm out there working on something, or I'm building something, or tearing something down, or messing something up, or fixing something that I messed up, or, you know, doing something. I have more projects on my list than I even care to, to, to mention. I can do three miles on a treadmill, and if I want to lose my breakfast, I could do it in 30 minutes. I can do 5,000 strides on the elliptical trainer in 45 minutes. And if you're not impressed, I'm not talking to you anyway, okay? <laughs> so when I look at my life, and as active as I am, the question comes up, why is it that I'm 30 pounds overweight and have to stick myself with a needle three times a day to give insulin injections, you know? Well, the reason's pretty simple. I don't skip any meals. I mean, I have breakfast and a snack and lunch and a snack and dinner and a snack. I believe you have to have a balanced diet, right? And when it comes to that, uh, that breakfast that I would lose on the treadmill in the morning, sometimes it's cronuts. Does anybody know what a cronut is? Raise your hand. You are missing heaven on earth. It is a croissant deep fried and glazed. And I guarantee you the person that came up with this has a seat next to Jesus Christ himself when they die. Cronuts are amazing. And then... 
Though I've been married to my wife almost 30 years, I've also had a girlfriend for 30 years. Her name is Little Debbie, and I spend a lot of time with Little Debbie. We know each other very well. We, uh, we just, I, I love Little Debbie. Oh, the thing is, over the years, though, she has kind of changed. I have kind of changed, and I've <laughs> kind of gone from my little darling to little diabetes, okay? And then, of course, I am earning frequent flyer miles at the local Chinese super buffet, and all of these come together, right? And I think you feel my pain here that even though I do other things, there are some things that I just don't do like I should do, my eating habits being one of those big ones. And here's the thing about the things that we don't do that are right. If you're like me, I don't always eat the right way. Maybe I don't always eat the right things. In fact, a lot of times I don't. And so here's what happens. It's not like there's going to be this void in our life. The Bible would even speak very clearly that when there is a vacancy in our life, we fill that vacancy with something. And so if I'm not doing what I should be doing, I'm going to replace that with the wrong things, okay? And we do that in our life. Maybe we should have compassion on someone. Instead, we gossip about them. Maybe, maybe we should help somebody, but instead we kind of think bad of them and judge them, you know? We, we stay away from them. Maybe there's somebody in need or there's a problem that we could help with, and instead we just drive on by it, you know, kind of like that person on the side of the road we talked about before. We see that they're there. We know we can help, but we drive on by. Even that driving on by, that's not doing nothing. That is something. The lack of action is action. The neglect is still an action, and so we take what we should do and we replace it with something else. And we do that in our lives so often. I think we do that even though we should realize the very truth that started this verse, and that is that our days are limited. And we don't get a lot of time in life to do the things that really need to be done. And so we all need to stop and do that self-evaluation in our life where we say, what do I really need to be doing? That doesn't mean all the other things in your life are bad, okay? But it does mean that there are times where we don't do the things that we need to do where we don't answer the call on our lives. I, I was having a discussion with somebody recently, and we were talking about how it's getting harder and harder to find. And you all know this because you went two and a half years really without a pastor. You had an interim, but, but you were having a hard time finding one because there aren't a lot of people out there answering the call to ministry anymore. And our young people aren't answering the call to ministry anymore. Is it because God stopped calling, or is it because we stopped answering is it because we stopped answering and then because we don't answer, our kids don't answer? And so if we don't go uh, do our ministry and fulfill the work that God created us to do, our kids don't learn by that being raised with it, by being taught by their parents, that they have a calling on their lives as well. You see how that works? There are things that God has called us to do. There are opportunities that God has given us to. There are things that he has put in our life for us to do. And we have a big decision to make every day of our life, and that is, will we do them or not? And one of the things that I have to say about this is, this is really an evaluation that's between you and God. Because, see, I don't have a right to sit here and make a list of all the things that you need to be doing. I think you know quite well the things that you need to do. You live your life. Every day you see the opportunities that come your way. You know the talents that God has given you. You know the gifts that God has given you. You know the calling. And if you don't, then you know that you need to open the ears of your heart to hear the calling that God has put on your life so that you can say yes. Because sometimes that's the problem. 
Maybe the problem is not us saying yes to the calling. Maybe sometimes it's just taking our fingers out of our ears so we can hear God call us and find out what it is that he wants us to do, where he wants us to be, what he wants us to be involved in. But it is so essential. And it's really kind of, it's a thing between you and God that you need to seek out. Because if you don't, what happens is you will replace it with the wrong thing. Those wrong things will come into your life. And then what happens, and we see it time and time again, is it clogs up our life so much that then we don't even have the time to do the things that God wants us to do. Or then we don't have the resources to do the things that God wants us to do. Some of us, we fill our schedules up so much that there's no way we can really spare time to go serve God. Some of us, we clog our budgets up with so much debt and so much other stuff that we have to have from this world that we don't have the money to give to God or, or to use for his resources and his ministry. Sometimes we work ourselves so much with the things of this world that at the end of the day, we are absolutely physically exhausted and we don't have an ounce of energy to give to God. Even, even just to spend time in prayer. Even if that's your ministry, sometimes we don't even have the time or the ability or the uh, energy to give the attention to, to really deep, intentional prayer. What happens is we have filled that vacancy up when there's things that we need to do. What things do you need to do? What gifts do you have that God has given you? What talents has God given you? I was going to show a video, and I opted not to just because it, it's... Uh, it is a little bit longer, and I didn't want to spend that much time on this this morning. But talking about the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. You remember how the master came along and he gave these talents to each of his servants and expected them to do something with it? That, that parable is for our learning. It's for us to understand that God has given you talents and gifts and opportunities. And he's going to ask you someday what you did with it. So what are you going to do with the things that you know you need to do? Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you for being such a faithful God to us. And when we think about the things that uh, you have done for us, we know that you have not uh, held back. <coughs> we know that you have not uh, reserved any gifts, that you have opened your arms completely and you have filled our baskets and and buckets with everything, Father, that you have to offer us. And we, we thank you for that. Father, as we think about our lives and the need that we have to give back to you and, and just to simply be who you created us to be, I pray that you empower us to say yes to the callings on our lives, to, to have our eyes open to opportunities that you put in our lives each day, to do the things that we need to do, Father, so that we can glorify you, first of all, so that we can be drawn closer to you in our relationship with you, and we can invite others into a relationship with you as well. Thank you for your faithfulness. Teach us how to be faithful. Thankful, thank you for your sacrifice. Teach us how to sacrifice for you. Thank you for loving us so much. Teach us more about how to love you and how, how to show you that we love you, Father, by doing the things that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing. And as we do, I just uh, invite you to really consider uh, the opportunities, gifts, and talents that God has given you. And, Say yes to the things that he's called you to do. Say yes to the things that you know to do. Um, fill, fill that vacancy that's in your life or evict the things in your life that are keeping you from being who God has called you to be. If you need help with that, that's one we're here.